Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Welcome, everyone, to today's edition of Calvary Live. So glad to be with you. My name is Pastor Jeff Biggs of Calvary Chapel Greeley in northern Colorado with you to take your questions and your prayer requests. So this is the radio program for the next hour where you get to call in and ask questions about the Bible or Christian living or how do we respond to the things that we see all around us. So I want to share the Word of God with you uh, as you have prayer requests to take you to the throne of God in times of grace. The throne of grace is Hebrews chapter 4 talks about, and then to be able to just encourage you in any way that we can. So you just heard the call-in number. The call-in number is 303-690-3000. So grab one of those open lines as soon as the, the phone starts ringing and we get callers. We'll go to uh, the phone lines. That's the best way for us uh, to do the show, to have the show, is for you to participate on the air and to be able to ask your questions and give your prayer requests. There is another means as we fill in time, uh, as it allows, and that is through a dedicated text line. It is for texting only. It's a different number, 720-336-0897. Welcome all Grace FM listeners along the front range of Colorado as we're here on another smoky day as the smoke from the western wildfires just keeps creeping into the western part of the country and along the Front Range, and we're just praying somehow for relief, and uh, and we want to welcome you. Those of you in southern Wyoming, uh, welcome to Calvary Live. You're listening live on this Tuesday afternoon. The rest of you that are listening on another radio network, perhaps on Truth or Hope FM, you've been a part of our Calvary Live family for a couple years now. We we encourage you to call in at that number I just gave to you, 303-690-3000. And then also we welcome just recently in the last week or so, Freedom FM Radio Network. Welcome to Calvary Live. So glad that you've joined us all throughout the nation in, in the South, Texas, Louisiana, Alabama, G- Georgia, uh, Florida, uh, uh, all over uh, parts of the Midwest. Uh, we welcome you as well, and would love to hear from you. And you that are listening to Hope or Truth or Freedom Radio or another radio network, you are a week delayed, but also our audience is growing online, and we have people from across the country that are listening live right now, whether on the um, the mobile app, Grace FM mobile app, or whether on the Grace FM website. I even have international listeners. We have those uh, from uh, London and from from Ukraine and other places right now. So welcome. Give me a call, 303-690-3000. Grab one of those open lines early, and that's the call-in number. The text line is 720-336-0897. Let's talk about the things of the Lord. Let's go to the Word of the Lord, and I'd love to talk to you. So we got one open line. Let's go ahead and go to Rick and Fort Collins. 
Hi, Rick. Hi. How are you? Doing great. I really appreciate your uh, explaining things. My question is, I've been reading uh, Revelation with these end times, I think, uh, kind of all around us with mandates and things like that. And I'm uh, reading about Mystery Babylon, uh, kind of interpreting that is the, uh, you know, harlot and corruption and idolatry against the kind of Church of God in the end times, the world economic political system. But the angel or someone comes and tells the people, get out of Babylon. I guess, how do we get out of Babylon without just running away and hiding in the woods somewhere? How do we live in this world and yet get out of Babylon? If you could shed any light on that, that would be great. Well, I think that you're asking a very good question, because as Christians, as we see the signs around us, one of the things that we are going to be doing on Sunday, we're traveling through Matthew's Gospel, and we're going to travel into chapter 24 of Matthew, which, of course, is the Olivet Discourse. And in the Olivet Discourse, the disciples come to Jesus uh, and ask him privately, you know, what is the signs of the end? What are the signs of your coming? When is this, you know, going to happen? And he begins to talk about the birth pangs and and he talks about false Christs, false prophets. <clears throat> Matter of fact, in that discourse, which is also paralleled in Math, uh, Mark chapter 13 and Luke chapter 21, he emphasizes that, take heed, watch out. There's going to be false Christs, there's going to be false you know, prophets that are going to deceive many, they're going to work signs and wonders. When you go through the book of Revelation in chapters 6 through 19, we are looking at what is called the tribulation period, that seven-year period right prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ. And in chapter 17, it is describing to us religious Babylon. Chapter 18 is talking about commercial Babylon. So there's going to be, as we know, a worldwide false church um, that is going to be on the scene and is going to be supported by, initially, the Antichrist, you know, it's the woman riding the beast. The beast is the Antichrist, and it's full of corruption. It's going to come against the saints. Um, it mentions, you know, uh, the uh, powers and authority of uh, the world are going to join in with the beast in, in supporting this false worldwide church. Um, and then also it speaks of the, the blood of the saints uh, because of it. So, in the first three and a half years, there's going to be this false church on the scene, and then the Antichrist will destroy this woman because he goes into the temple of God to be worshipped as God, um, and he's going to declare himself as God. He alone wants to be worshipped. So how do we respond to all that? How do we respond to the signs that we see going on all around us? Because I was thinking about that today as I was preparing for these lessons through the Olivet Discourse, because Jesus said that you're going to be persecuted. You're going to be delivered up. Um, there's going to be those who are going to hate you for my name's sake. All these things that that we see that are coming to pass, and, and, and all of it will culminate in the tribulation period. But what is our response? And I like to look at Paul's life. I think Paul gives an example of that because he writes that in the last days it's going to be perilous times. That word perilous means fierce times. It, it talks about um, how it's going to be upheaval. It's going to be it's going to be 
grievous, and he gives a description of culture there. He says that there's going to be counterfeits. Evil men and imposters are going to grow worse and worse. They won't endure sound doctrine. So what's our response? Here's here's what Paul says, that Timothy, you must continue in the Scriptures, first of all. You must continue in the Scriptures and the things that you have learned. And he says, endure affliction, keep in the Word, keep teaching the Word. And, and Paul the Apostle, he's so amazing because here he is writing, putting God's Word to parchment right before he's going to face the axemen. He's in the Mandarin dungeon. He's in a terrible place. You know, there's there's a little bit of straw in the corner. It's dark. It's cold. It's damp. He's saying, you know, you need to, to bring my coat, Timothy, kind of like it's cold in here, and my departure's at hand. But what it shows me is Paul kept a focus on the eternal. He kept a focus on we need to be in the Word of God and I want to be used in these days. We are here for such a time as this, and we are in the world, but we're not to be of the world. We're to be separate from the world, and we're going to endure affliction, Paul said. Those who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, but we are to be light and give truth to others around us and to continue in the things of the kingdom and of eternity and in the Word of God. And that's where I want to encourage people in, that as we are in unique times, times such as this, we're here for such a time as this, that God wants to use us because it's screaming all around us that the coming of the Lord is near. And so that's where I want to encourage people, and that's where I want to encourage you. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Keep in the Scriptures. You must continue in the Scriptures that you've learned from childhood. You're going to endure affliction. You know, hold fast to the ministry that's been given to you. He tells Timothy in his last words, you must be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Be a workman who need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Just this exhortation and encouragement that is given to us. And that's what we're to hold on to. And because the Lord is going to come back, and I want to be used. You know, I don't want to dig a bunker, you know, and hide out and all of this, like you said, in the woods. I want to be out there being used of the Lord to be light and truth to others. Awesome. So uh, get out of Babylon uh, in a spiritual sense and stay in the Word of God. Yeah, you know, we're not we're in the world, but we're not of the world. And And the thing is, Babylon represents the world, the world system. And John, in his epistle, he he begins to talk about, he says, don't have a love for the world. Um, and we love those who are in the world. We love them enough to give them the gospel. But we're, we are not, uh, we're in the world, but not of the world. And he says, for many antichrists have gone out into the world. Even the spirit of antichrist is present right now. And so we don't want to get caught up in all the deception. Here's the thing. I tell my congregation this all the time that if you don't know the Word of God, you're going to get deceived, and you're going to be confused, and you're going to get caught up in all these things that we see around us. But Jesus tells you and me to be wise, to be faithful, to occupy till he comes, because they come at a time that you do not know, when you're least expected. We don't know the day or the hour, the coming of the Lord, but we can know the season that we're in, the seasons and times. Paul says, I have no need to write to you. And we know that this is a time where it's very unique, and we know that we're in the last days, 
And so we are to be ones that we are to continue. We are representatives of the king, and we belong to another kingdom, and there's going to be a glorious, glorious you know, uh, plan that's going to unfold before us. And uh, so all of this is not to scare us, it's to prepare us. It's not to trouble us, but to bring joy and comfort to us. Amen. Thank you very much. You bet, Rick. Keep your eyes on the Lord. That's what you do. Keep walking with Him. Thank you. You bet. Hey, 303-690-3000. We see the things going on around us, and it speaks to us something. So we got a couple open lines. Perhaps you got a question about what's going on, how do we react. Um, you know, send me a text, 720-336-0897, but I'd love for you to call and just be able to um, to talk to you about those things. So two open lines. Grab one of those open lines. Let's go to Sabrina in Denver. Sabrina, you're on Calvary Live. Thanks for calling. Thank you for having me call, Pastor. I uh, bet. God had put it on my heart to kind of call and receive some prayer to over uh, the ministry I'm in and in the church body that I'm a part of. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's hard when sometimes people don't see the normalities of stuff, like, you know, just the simple things of servanthood, and they look past the little things. And I feel like even those little things are callings from God. And um, lately I feel myself getting angry that others don't recognize, like, the little things that need to be done in, you know, in our in our ministry, in our community. And I, I I just feel like I keep getting like a bitterness, and I don't I don't like that feeling. I don't like feeling that way towards my brothers and sisters. I don't I don't like you know. I and I I rebuke it, but at the same time they keep coming back, and I don't mm-hmm. know if you have some uh, guidance for that. <laughs> yeah, I do because Sabrina, you know, I've been in doing this for a long time in ministry, in full time ministry for about thirty years. And one of the things that I remember thinking, well, why don't the people do this? And why don't I get help here? And why don't, you know, and just kind of, you know, these people, Lord, uh, they don't do the little things. And and we know that ministry is serving, serving in very practical things. And one of the things that, that I've learned, and, and even in a very maybe not so subtle way behind the pulpit, it was like, you know, you people need to serve. And the Lord reminded me that you need to feed the sheep, not beat the sheep, and that you pray for them, and you pray that God would put it on their hearts. One of the things that I've learned is I make a lousy Holy Spirit, and to commit those things to the Lord and say, Lord, you know what? I don't want to be bitter. I don't want to keep my focus on that. I need to focus on what you've called me to do, and you're the one that raises people up in the body of Christ to encourage them that God wants to use them, um, and um, and that's something that God will do. He does a whole lot better than we do. But if we just keep focused on the shortcomings of our people or why don't more people get involved, you will be frustrated and you will be bitter and angry, like you said, rather than doing your ministry with joy and rather than just trusting the Lord that he's going to raise up people to do that work. And um, And... And that's what the focus needs to be, trusting in him that, Lord, you're the one that puts it on the hearts of the people. So I don't pound the pulpit and say this. I'll tell people what the needs are, 
I'll tell the people to pray about it, to seek the Lord concerning these things. But, you know, um, I'd rather have the Lord put it on their hearts uh, because here's the thing. Anybody in the body of Christ or particularly pastors, we can begin to manipulate the people. We can manipulate the people into, um, okay, you need to do this or we can be very good at it rather than encouraging them, hey, the Lord wants to use you to serve others, you know, and and he wants to gift you, and he wants to place you in ministry, and that's important to the Lord, and just exhorting them um, in that way. And so don't get bitter, Sabrina. Don't get bitter. Don't get angry. Don't keep your focus on them. Just trust in the Lord that he's going to raise people up, laborers to do the, the ministry. And, of course, it was Jesus, and I think a real key for us is Jesus looked at the multitudes with compassion. He was moved with compassion. That's Matthew chapter 9. And he looked at the sheep um, that were scattered and weak without a shepherd. And he said, pray for laborers to go out into the harvest field. He said, the harvest is ready, so you just pray that, Lord, that you raise up those laborers because there's a harvest that is out there. And, Lord, I know that you care about these people, that you care about them a lot more than I do. So, Lord, you provide, and, Lord, you put it on the hearts of the people to serve. And that's a lot better place to be than than just, well, they fall short, and why don't these people and all of this? You don't want to be bitter towards the people. And I know for me, as a pastor, if I stop loving the people and encouraging people, then I'm going to lose my ministry. And if, and if I have these expectations for them and they're not meeting my expectations, then, then you know, we get on a slippery slope. So I want to be able to just give it to the Lord, trust the Lord, and encourage people to serve. And hopefully that helps, Sabrina. Thank you. You bet. Can I pray for you? Yes, please. Father, I pray for Sabrina. And she, she's recognized that, Lord, she doesn't want to be frustrated and bitter and angry towards those who who don't see or aren't engaged in ministry, but, Lord, to focus on what you've called her to do, to see it as a privilege. Lord, to to I just pray that where she's at, that you would raise up those laborers, those that come alongside to minister and to help. And, Lord, that where you guide, you do provide. And I pray that you would do that, that she would be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that her work is not in vain. And, Lord, to to just trust in you that you're going to provide in all the needs that, that are there in the ministry. And, Lord, that you put it on the hearts of the people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Have a good day. Hey, keep your focus on the Lord, Sabrina. Always. Thank you. You bet. 303-690-3000. You know, it, it can be as we, we look. And there's always needs. There's always needs in the body of Christ. You know, you hear about um, the that, you know, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. But but here's the thing. I encourage people, God wants to use you. And you who are out there, he wants to use you in very practical ways to minister, to help, um, to, to be engaged in people's lives. In ministries, doing very practical things. You know, perhaps just helping with the kids. Uh, perhaps, you know, uh, they're in the children's ministry. 
maybe cleaning the church, maybe in the coffee shop, maybe greeting people, just uh, making a meal for somebody, just helping out. Uh, we got guys here that are so talented as mechanics and other things to be able to help fix things and minister. And that ministry that God calls you to do and places you to do that ministry, know this, that that ministry is very important to the Lord. And your ministry is just as important in anybody else's ministry. And, and so we get to engage in people's life and be used in the days in which we are in. Hey, got a, two open lines, 303-690-3000. Call me. Keep the phone lines um, calls coming, and we're going to engage in conversation. Text line 720-336-0897. Let's go to Sean in Greeley. Hi, Sean. Hi, Pastor Jeff. Um, I just want to say I attend uh, Chapel uh, Calvary Greeley, and uh, I love the services that you that you provide. Well, I'm glad you're blessed. <laughs> um, I'm I'm reading um, Matthew chapter 24. And in verse uh, 35, it says, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will by no means pass away. And I was just wondering um, where it says heaven and earth will pass away. Is Does that mean after the rapture and the tribulation that there's going to be a new heaven created? Or, mm-hmm. I mean, because it yeah. says heaven will pass away. Yeah, and... What's going to happen, when Jesus is saying that, he also says it in Luke's uh, narrative of the Olivet Discourse. And what he's telling the disciples primarily is that heaven and earth are going to pass away, which is interesting, but my words will never pass away. In other words, what he is saying is these things are going to happen. Uh, Sometimes there are those who will read end-time prophecy, and they think, well, this this is all symbolic or allegories. Uh, it really isn't going to happen. And we know that Jesus says, every word that I speak, every dot and tittle is going to be fulfilled. So first of all, as he talks about the tribulation period, the second coming of Jesus Christ, you know, the signs concerning the the end, uh, he says, my words uh, are not going to pass away. It, it's all going to be fulfilled. When John received the apocalypse there on the island of Patmos, the angel told him, write these things down that must shortly come to pass. Not that they might come to pass, or it's a possibility, or maybe this will happen. It is going to happen. Even Isaiah in chapter 2, when he begins to talk about the millennium reign, and uh, he he says, you know, he, he's to write these things down that must happen, that is going to happen. So we know that these things are going to be fulfilled. He said heaven and earth are going to pass away, and you hit on something that is part of the prophetic scenario. After the tribulation period, at the end, we know Jesus Christ will come back. He will establish his kingdom for a thousand years. After the millennium reign of Jesus Christ, Revelation chapter 20 tells us, Peter talks about it as well, that the heavens and earth are going to dissolve. They're going to burn up in a fervent heat, is what Peter writes. Um, Paul, or John, in Revelation chapter 20, he says that heaven and earth, there is no place found in them. Then is going to be the great white throne judgment, and the unrighteous dead are resurrected at that time. They stand before the great white throne judgment, and they will be sentenced to outer darkness, uh, to the lake of fire for all eternity. You and I who are believers will not stand at the great white throne judgment. 
you and I stand at the beam or reward seat of Jesus Christ, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, Romans chapter 14, to be rewarded for what we've done uh, for Christ, what we've done in the body, whether good or bad. Not for our salvation, but being rewarded for the works that we've done, what we've done for Christ. Then chapters 21 and 22 of the book of Revelation, we see that he creates a new heaven, a new earth, a new Jerusalem, where we're going to dwell with the Lord for all eternity. And so that's our future. And so, yes, the heavens and the earth that we now know it are going to dissolve. Um, and there's going to be a new heaven, a new earth, a new Jerusalem. And you can read about that in the last two chapters of the Bible. Great. Thank you so much. Yep. Hope you can make it to the Olivet Discourse, that teaching. Oh, oh I, I'm, I will definitely be there. Okay, son. God bless you. Thank you, Pastor Jeff. You bet. You know, a lot of people, you know, wonder what is, you know, ahead for us and what does all this mean around us? And we want to be wise and discerning the days in which we are in. And Jesus said we're to be wise and discerning. So it's great that people want to study God's Word. And and uh, it's the, the broadest subject in the New Testament is the return of the Lord and the events that surround the turn of the Lord. And other, you know, it's it's so wonderful to be able to know that God's Word is true and that he says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away, and that they will come to pass. So, hey, we got a couple open lines. Grab one of those open lines. We're getting close to going to break, but I'm going to go ahead, and let's go to Rick in Denver. Rick, you there? Rick, Rick, we lost you. Well, if you get a chance, give me a call back, and maybe I'll answer your question after the break, and we'll take a look at it. And um, But we'd love to talk to you about it. He's asking about um, Luke chapter 22, and we'll return to it. Um, so we got all open lines. So grab one of those open lines. We've had great conversation. 303-690-3000 is the number to call for the call-in number. The text line is 720-336-0897. Love to be able to talk to you, um, pray with you, uh, encourage you any way that I can. I'm Pastor Jeff Figs at Calvary Chapel Greeley. We got all open lines. We're headed to the break here in a couple minutes, but I want you to grab one of those lines that are open and we'll um, continue our conversations and answering those questions and all that we have. So 303-690-3000. You know, one of the, the uh, uh, I got a message today from somebody who said, you know, I can get so discouraged when I see the things that are going on around me. And I just, as we got a couple minutes before we hear the music, um, and that is that in Psalm 73, Asaph, when he saw the things going on around him, he was very, very discouraged. And he said it was so overwhelming. I had no strength. Um, it, it was uh, too much for me. Um, I, I tried to understand it. I can't understand it. He said, until I went to the sanctuary of God, and then I understood therein. And Asaph goes on to say at the end of the psalm in Psalm 73, that whom have I in heaven but you? And there is none upon the earth that I desire beside you. My flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And it is good for me to draw near to God, for I have put my trust in the Lord God, that I may declare all your works. And I think that's a good encouragement for us, 
is that, you know, he went into the sanctuary. He, he began to focus on the Lord. He began to look to the Lord. And once again, uh, we know that we are to be encouraged in the Lord in every way because he is the one when our flesh fails, that he's the strength of our heart and our portion forever. 303-690-3000, all open lines. Grab one of those open lines. 720-336-0897. That is the text line. So love for you to call. We're going to go to break. It's the only break of the show. And uh, so we'd love to be able to have those conversations continue in the second half of the show. We are going to be right back. Stay tuned to Calvary Live. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Welcome back to the second half of the show. So glad that you continue to listen to the program today. So you heard those numbers, the call-in number, 303-690-3000. My name is Jeff Biggs of Calvary Chapel Greeley. And I'd love to to answer your questions and to pray with you, uh, to encourage you any way that I can. So you, this is the opportunity. Give me a call. We've got all open lines. We'd love to be able to talk with you. Text line 720-336-0897. Pray you're doing well. And all those who are listening, not only on Grace FM, uh, live here along the front range of Colorado into southern Wyoming, but also those who are listening Hope FM, Truth FM, Freedom FM has joined us from all over, really, the country. Uh, and we'd love to hear from you guys. Let us know that you're hearing us and uh, and give us a call. Anywhere in the country, that number, 303-690-3000. If you're listening online, give me a call. I'd love to talk to you. I'd love to bless you in any way that we can. Just a quick announcement for those of you here in northern Colorado that on Sunday we will be looking and starting the Olivet Discourse. And so 8, 9, 30, 11 o'clock, this will be in Matthew chapter 24. Don't want to miss it. We'll spend the next several weeks in the Olivet Discourse going through chapter 24 and chapter 25. We'll be covering subjects such as the signs of the end, the birth pangs, persecution. Uh, We'll be looking at uh, the uh, Antichrist, uh, the Great Tribulation Period, the Second Coming of Jesus Christ, the Rapture of the Church, uh, how to be wise and discerning in the days in which we're living on. Very important subject. So we invite you to come out if you're in uh, the area of Greeley. And you can check us out on our website, calvarychapelgreeley.org. That's O-R-G. And we'd love for you to to come so we can serve you and meet you. we got a very dynamic, very wonderful children's ministry at all three services, middle schoolers meet at 9.30 and 11. And uh, I think that you'll be tremendously blessed as we gather to worship and as we study God's Word, as we uh, get to to go to the Mount of Olives on this Sunday and to get to listen in to that private briefing that Jesus gives concerning the last days. Give me a call, 303-690-3000. Love to talk to you. Love to encourage you. One of the questions that came in uh, is climate change one of the signs of the end? And that's a very interesting question. 
we saw a report come out by the United Nations yesterday uh, that concerning climate change and what they label it is as is man-made climate change. And so is it man-made climate change? Perhaps maybe it is. Um, is it one of the signs of the end? When we look at uh, the Olivet Discourse, it talks about wars, rumors of wars, uh, kingdom against kingdom, false Christs and prophets, earthquakes, pestilence, famines in various places. Um, and Luke talks about the perplexity of nations and the distress, the fear of men that will cause their hearts to fail. And, and so there are going to be things going on, uh, great signs in heaven that will cause fear in the hearts of men. And so all these things. So uh, there's nothing specific that talks about a sign um, that is going to be climate change, but could famine be a result of that? Could it be that um, the perplexity of nations, because what we're seeing is what we're hearing is that it's a worldwide problem and we need to all come together. So I think that, of course, it is a part of what we are seeing and what it's going to lead to uh, this one world coming together, trying to solve the, the problems of the world. We also know that in the tribulation period, that uh, when God, he pours out his wrath on a Christ-rejected world, that a lot of the earth is going to burn up and uh, the green things. So is it leading to that? We don't know for sure. But again, we also see that in the Old Testament that God did use famines. He did use drought. He did use locust infestations to get the attention of the people. So uh, it's a difficult question to answer, but all these things, again, are culminating to what's going to happen in the end time. So I just want to answer that and encourage you in that. So um, give me a call. I think we still have all open lines here, 303-690-3000. Give me a call. And then text line 720-336-0897. And that's one of the things I want to encourage you while we got a few minutes uh, waiting for the phone lines to ring once again is that um, a lot of people are in distress. A lot of people are um, confused. A lot of people are frustrated. But you and I as a Christian, I want you to always remember that God has a wonderful plan for us, and this is all leading to something to keep our eyes on the Lord. And yes, it can be frustrating, but we are here for such a time as this, to be used of the Lord and to know that 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 the Lord desires to do a marvelous work in our lives and in our churches to be light in the days in which we are in. And um, they're very unique times. They're perilous times, as Paul would write, and that means you know, distressing times, fierce times, grievous times. Uh, he gives the characteristics of men uh, there in Second Timothy chapter 3. He said, evil men and imposters are going to grow worse and worse. They're going to be those of counterfeit. There are going to be those who have a form of godliness but denying his powers. He goes on to say, as he's pinning these words to Timothy, the last words of Paul the Apostle, that he goes on and he keeps giving descriptions of what it's going to be like in the last days. And he says that in the last days, know this, that there's going to be a time when they will not endure sound doctrine. And he goes on and says that they will um, according to their own desires, because they have itchy ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers and turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. 
He had said to Timothy earlier in that first epistle that he wrote to him, that he said in the latter times that some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines. So the Bible tells us what's going to take place. We get a heads up of what is going on. And we can say that the world is falling apart, but really things are falling into place like the Bible said it would. And and it's all going to be fulfilled. And you and I, that we know that the Lord's going to come for his church. He's going to take us out of and away from the hour of tribulation that shall come upon the whole earth to test those who dwell on the earth. We'll be raptured before that final seven-year period, which is called the tribulation period, which is called Daniel's 70th week, which is called Jacob's trouble. And so um, we can uh, know that um, that then at the end of that period, the Lord comes back and we will come back with him. So all those things that we'll be looking at on Sunday mornings here at Calvary Greeley. Hey, we got a couple open lines, 303-690-3000. Let's go to Tim and Aurora. Hi, Tim. You're on Calvary Live. Hi, Pastor. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Doing good. Um, good. So I was reading through um, 1 Corinthians 11, and I guess I was just confused on, like, what the takeaway is, because it talks a lot about, like, covering your head, like, covering mm-hmm. your head during prayers, like, not covering your head. So I guess I just didn't know what, like, the application is. Yeah, and Paul, what he was addressing um, is um, he was addressing certain things that were going on in the church. And as he's addressing head coverings, he's really talking about um, order in the church. He's really talking about authority in the church uh, because there were those who uh, were out of order. There are those, as he goes in and explains it, uh, he begins to talk about um, that the head of every man is Christ, the head of every woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. So with these words, Paul sets the foundation for his teaching for the rest of the chapter. And simply putting it, Paul makes it clear that God has established principles of order and authority and accountability. So then he begins to talk about those things, um, about uh, every man praying or prophesying, having his head cover, dishonors his head, um, and he goes on, but every woman who prays or uh, prophesies with their head uncovered dishonors her head. So that's where people begin to look at that, and they say, what is going on here? And But he's really talking about, um, at this time in Corinth, the idea of a head covering was important, and, and it was important in ancient cultures. To wear the head covering, or veil is some of the translation, was a public symbol being under the authority or protection of another. So um, it was, you know, um, setting the establishment of order. Um, he is um, saying that as they were doing that, uh, for man to do this by his actions, he's saying, I am not in authority here. I am under the authority of others because God has established that the head of woman is man as he starts out. He's not saying in that, Tim, he's not saying that man is better than the woman or God loves the man over the woman. And that's where people get confused um, because he says in that, that that God is the head of Christ, right? And was Christ inferior to the Father? No, he wasn't. He was equal to the Father. But Jesus came to this world, Philippians chapter 2, he, was, he humbled himself, became obedient to death, became a servant, 
obedient to death, the death on the cross. So his, you know, his, um, you know, um, coming to this world, he's equal with, with God, the Father, but his submission was in just obedience to the Father in humbling himself. And in, when it comes to the church and church order, what it's talking about is that there's order in the church. There's God is a God of order, and there's authority in the church. And Paul goes on in a chapter, and he writes about, you know, that, um, that you know, be sh- be careful of the angels, you know, the angels are watching, you know, and all of this. And I think, why would he write about that? Well, because they saw that there was disorder in heaven and a bunch of angels fell. So, but at the end of that section in verse 16, he says, but if anyone seems to be contentious, we have no such customs, nor do the churches of God. So, you know, some people think, do I have to wear a head covering? There was some custom. This this was a local thing that was going on. Some have applied it to say we're going to wear head coverings if that's what they do. But the main thrust of the chapter is talking about authority, talking about um, respect, headship in the church, and, and those kinds of things. Okay. Because I've had previous churches where like they would discourage like wearing hats, like wearing things over your head, because then they would say, like, don't don't cover your head. And I think this is like the verse that, or like the mm-hmm. scripture that they came from. So yeah, um, it's helpful to know like the context behind it too, and like the traditions that they have. So yeah, and and that was and and it says, does not even nature teach you that you know it talks about if a woman has long hair, it's glory to her for her hair is given to her as a covering. In Corinth, there was the temple prostitutes. They'd come out and they would shave their heads, and um, and you know there are those who come along and say a man shouldn't have long hair. Well. What's the definition of long, <laughs> you know, or these young kids that are wearing hats um, in the church? It's like, leave them alone. Um, we don't have such customs. Just let them have it. Some people, they they see it as a sign of disrespect. But, you know, you got teenagers that come in. It's like, don't bug them. Don't bother them about wearing hats and stuff. So, you know, it's talking about a symbol of authority, you know, on our heads. Uh, it's talking about, you know, headship and things like that, that they were just um, needed to know and they needed to be informed in. But, um, you know, people want to wear head coverings. You know, Jewish men, they wear head coverings. They've always mm-hmm. wore head coverings. So, you know, that's a different c- custom for them. And um, in other areas, you know, even in the church, in different areas of the Middle East or something, mm-hmm. Christian women may wear veils. That's that's kind of their custom. So um, that's why Paul says, but if anyone seems to be contentious, we have no such custom, nor do the churches. Um, so he, he's talking about authority and respect. And God is, you know, set those in authority in the church, just as he set authority in the home as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Does that help? Um, yes, it does. Thank you so much, Pastor Jeff. Thank you for your question. Good question. Yeah, kind of an interesting, um, you know, section of Scripture. And and I think the main context is, you know, as he's talking about authority in the church, headship in the church, um, you know, in the worship service, principles of headship is what he's talking about. Um, You know, the application of the principle of headship among the, the Christians there in Corinth. 
and, and then he kind of expands on that. So then he goes into communion as well. So interesting chapter um, that is taking place. Um, we got all open lines. 303-690-3000 is the number to call uh, here on Calvary Live. So I'd love for you to call. The text line is 720-336-0897. All open lines. Got plenty of time for you to be able to call in and ask a question. Um, I got a text question. Uh, Robert's asking about in Exodus, when Moses went to the top of Mount Sinai and Aaron made the golden calves, why did he tell Moses that he put all the gold in the fire and then out came a calf? Uh, the way he says it, almost like, um, you know, there was no craftsmanship went into making it. Uh, just put it in the fire and boom, a magical golden calf. Could you please offer some dialogue? Good question, Robert, on that. And so um, what we read there in the book of Exodus, um, let me turn to it, is, of course, Moses goes up on the mountain. The people are getting impatient. They say, what happened to this man of Moses? Where is he? And so they said, you know, um, it was Aaron, Moses' brother, that gave the instruction of, you know, give me all your gold and everything, and they fashioned the golden calf. Well, the Lord says to Moses, you know, get down from the mountain. Uh, your people have sinned a great sin, and I'm going to consume them. So Moses is interceding on their behalf, and I'll read it to you. Um, as Moses comes down, he's going, you know, Aaron, what did you do that you brought a great sin upon them? And Aaron said, don't let your anger of my Lord become hot. You know the people, they are set on evil. For they said to me, make us gods that we that shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And I said to them, whoever has any gold, let him break it off, so that they gave it to me. And I cast it in the fire, and this calf came out. So, Robert, that's what you're asking. That's what you're asking about, you know, it just seemed like this calf came out. Here Moses is confronting Aaron, and Aaron begins to blame the people. You know, it's those people, you know, they're bent on evil. They were asking where you were. They threw this gold in the fire, and a poof, out came a calf. I think the bottom line it was that Aaron was lying. Um, he was backpedaling. He was lying. He was making excuses. God was actually going to consume Aaron at one time. And we know that uh, Moses went back up on the mountain. He said, Lord, forgive them their sin. If not, blot me out of the book of life. And um, just the heart of Moses interceding for the people. But I think that's what was happening, is that he was lying, he was backpedaling, he was making excuses. Here's, there's an important lesson in, in that for us folks, and that is we don't make excuses for sin. Uh, sometimes when we sin, we think, well, it's their fault. You know, it was Adam that said, it's that woman you gave me. Um, uh, here is, Moses, is Aaron saying, it's those people, they're bent on sinning. But we can make excuses, and true repentance is going to say that, Lord, I have sinned, I have done wrong, and not making excuses, not blaming the people. Well, it's that boss, you know, it's that person makes me so angry, or whatever the case may be. And we need to confess it, and confession means to be in agreement with. You're in agreement with the Lord, that, Lord, this is wrong, this is wrong, and... um. And I need to turn away from it and not make excuses, but 
to be honest about it before the Lord, because he knows anyway. So that's what it means, Robert, and I hope that helps you out, and I appreciate you texting in that question. Hey, 303-690-3000, got a couple open lines. We've got some time in the show. Let's go to Joseph in Wheat Ridge. Hi, Joseph. Hello, Pastor Ben. Good to hear your voice again. Thank you. Appreciate it. So, um, you know, I was listening to the Bible verses, uh, Bible bus this morning with the, uh, the late great Pastor J. Vernon McGee. And uh, he was saying that, uh, uh, I guess, you know, Matthew eleven eleven, but other verses, Christ was saying that John the Baptist is basically, you know, paraphrasing, uh, he, he's great. There's no human being greater than him, but he's the least in heaven. Is that a correct statement? When they came, you know, he um, in the Gospels, they, they, he sends two of his disciples. John's in prison, right? And they send two of his disciples and, you know, asking, are you the, the um, you know, coming one, or do we to look for another? And Jesus said, go and tell John this, what you've seen and heard. And, and so they departed. Then Jesus turns to the crowds and he says, you know, what did you guys go out in the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind. And he says, what did you go out to see? A prophet, yes, I say to you more than a prophet. And he says that I say among you, those born of women, there have not been one risen, one greater than John the Baptist, but he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And and so I, I consider that, you know, because it's an amazing statement. What Jesus is saying, here is John the Baptist, even in his faltering and wondering, sending two of his disciples, are you the coming one? Um, because I'm sure John the Baptist, he's the forerunner. He spoke of Christ. He pointed to Christ. He said he declared the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And, and yet here he is in prison. And we know that the ministry of the Messiah was going to be open the eyes of the blind, um, is going to be helping those, bringing healing, uh, freeing those who are in captivity. And I certainly M1 is in captivity, so why aren't those prison doors opening? But Jesus, you know, told the disciples, go tell them, you know, go tell them what they have seen and heard. And I'm sure John was confirmed in that once again. But then he tells the people, and he affirms his, you know, ministry, John the Baptist, that he's greatest born among women up to this point. And I find that amazing, because if you would ask me, who is the greatest? As I look at the Old Testament, I would have thought, well, maybe Abraham, or maybe it was Moses that worked all these miracles, or perhaps it was Daniel that saw such great visions, or David who killed giants, but it wasn't any of those. We also know that John didn't do any miracles. Um, he performed no miracles, but you know what made him great? And this shows me so much and, and applies to me that he spoke of Jesus, pointed to Jesus, and that he was one that proclaimed Jesus. And you and I, as he goes on to say that he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he, that's something that you and I can do. That's something that you and I can do is that we can point people to Jesus. We can say, behold, the Lamb of God, he's the one that takes away the sins of the world and be great in the kingdom of heaven. And, And that's what I take away from that. At, you know, um, so Jay Vernon McGee basically said that, um, you know, salvation is free. You do not work for that, but you work for your position in heaven. And I, re- I recall you saying, like, you know, 
when we get to heaven or the new heaven and new earth, we'll be telling angels what to do. So if you will, that's a certain position or certain authority. I also appreciate um, Pastor uh, Robert Jeffers out of Dallas, Texas. He was saying that if you're the type of person that, you know, here on earth you don't want to be in charge of anything, you know, you don't want to be having any responsibility, when you get to heaven, you know, Christ will not put you in a position of authority, you know, because that's not your personality. So my thing is, in terms of your position in heaven, um, going back to that right-hand side of Christ and left-hand side of Christ, is that something that a person should strive for or just don't even worry about that? Well, what happened was the sons of Zebedee's mom came and said, hey, can my son sit on your left and your right? And Jesus said, you don't know what you're asked. And that is, you know, to be determined by my Father in heaven. What the Bible talks about, Joseph, is the Bible talks a lot about rewards. And that, as I've already mentioned today, we are going to stand at the Bema reward seat of Jesus Christ. Second Corinthians chapter 5, Romans chapter 14 we're going to be rewarded for what we have done for Christ. And you're right. We can't earn our salvation. There's nothing that we can do to earn salvation. And I want Christians to be established in that because Jesus cried from the cross, it is finished. He was saying that I've done the work, I paid the price, and now we come in faith. The New Testament is very clear. But with that said, also that Jesus talked about and the New Testament talks about rewards that will be given to us. And 1 Corinthians chapter 3 talks about that all of our works are going to be tried by fire. They're likened into gold, silver, precious metals, or wood, hay, and stubble. And all the wood, hay, and stubble of our lives are going to burn up, and then we're going to be rewarded for what we have done, as Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, you know, whether good or bad, in the body. We're going to be rewarded. We also know that Jesus told the parable of the talents. He told the parable of the minas that what has been given to us in talents and gifts in the gospel is that as we invest, that we're going to be rewarded. Um, and Jesus said to that servant who invested that mina, well done, good and faithful servant, that invested the talents, two separate parables, that you're going to rule over 10 cities, you're going to rule over five cities, you're going to rule over a couple cities. We know that we're going to rule and reign with him in the millennium reign. We're not just going to go to heaven, sit on a cloud, twiddle our thumbs, and be bored like Hollywood gives that impression or the cartoons or whatever. We're going to rule and reign with him. So we're going to be given responsibilities. I don't know exactly what that means, but I am looking so forward to it. And it's going to be so wonderful. Um, And what we do now in this life, living for Christ, that's what's going to last. And that's where we're going to be rewarded for him. And I think that the Bible, New Testament, speaks a lot about it to show us that we should desire. We should desire to serve. We should desire, you know, to invest that which the Lord has given to us. And that's why the Bible speaks a lot about it. Okay, well, I mean, that's a good, you know, explanation, because honestly, I am not the type of personality to be leading. It's just not in me. You know, um, uh, um, there's a gentleman named uh, Richard Ellis, Reunion Church in Dallas. He he gave an example of a hockey player that gave the most assists. You know, so sometimes it's better to assist than to actually score the goal. 
So in other words, I'm not the person. My personality is not to be leading or to be, you know. The yeah. Jo- yeah. Joseph, so- here's the thing real quick, because we're, we're going to hear the music at the end of the show. Here's what I want you to remember. Jesus said that as you pray and go into your prayer closet, that you're going to be rewarded. He said that as you give a cup to a child in, a, in Jesus' name, out of love, you're going to be rewarded greatly. We think that, you know, the the one that has the big church or, you know, the Billy Grahams, the Chuck Smiths, you know, they're going to receive great rewards, and they are going to be rewarded for what they have done. But you're going to be rewarded for what God has called you to do, the opportunities given to you. And and I think there's going to be a lot of surprises when we get to heaven. That That the one who just worked, you know, in the nursery for all those years, changing dirty diapers or ministering to the kids or out in the mission field that, that, you know, was never noticed. God sees it and he will reward and remember that the first will be last and the last will be first. And you just be faithful to where God has placed you, the gifts he's given to you and opportunities for you to serve. And you'll be rewarded greatly for that. Excellent advice. You bet. Don't, don't you know, think that you have to be an evangelist or pastor of a big church to be rewarded. He says you give a cup in a child's name. And he talks a lot about being great in the kingdom, be a servant of all, and come in childlike humility, continue in that humility, and you just move forward in how God wants you to move forward and where he's placed you. Hey, thank you, everybody. Great show today. Calvary Live will be back tomorrow at the same time. God bless you. Have a great evening. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.